You're listening to Season 2 of NFT 365. Talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365. Here's your host and digital futurist, Brian Fanzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And I have to give a big shout out. You know, really have loved, uh, you know, we were we kind of embracing and going all in with uh, our newsletter recently. And I know we're using that for communication, uh, you know, for kind of like outside of the Discord. I know many of you listeners were, we were all in Discord. We were all living there. Uh, and now it can be a little bit one of those things that uh, I like to think of Discord as it's one of those lands that the minute you turn off, notifications. You almost then forget about it for weeks, if not months, uh, if you're not living full-time in uh, NFTs and Web3. Uh, and we don't want people to miss things. And we had some recent announcements with, uh, if you are a 1093 holder uh, of one of our NFTs, we have a, a partner NFT with Festival Pass, and they're giving uh, you know people uh, credits every month just for holding uh, and supporting uh, the podcast. And we got a lot of great feedback uh, for those that have been signing up for the, the newsletter, even some great suggestions on um, some content that you want me to create uh, and add to the newsletter. So uh, keep that feedback coming, keep that engaged. And uh, and interestingly enough, we'll probably talk a little newsletter on this episode as well as uh, you know us doing the daily podcast. There's not very often that I get to connect with also people that understand the the grind of the daily. And uh, it is not uh, for the weak at heart. I actually would say it's probably more for the crazy. Uh, so with that being said, Ralph, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you know, excited. We got to jam out and hang in, uh, in Miami and of course connected online, but excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, let people know a little bit about you and then we'll get into some fun questions. It's a pleasure, man. And yes, I cannot wait to talk about the 365 grind because it's it's a grind not only on ourselves, but our families too. Um, but yeah, I mean, you and I, you and I connected on stage last year, NFT Miami. I can't believe it's coming up to a year. Uh, you know, we're just about a month away and we'll be there again together. Uh, we had the opportunity to share a great panel on community building and, you know, you, you live, breathe, eat community building as do I, uh, I've now been in the space about two and a half years. And, uh, I never thought that I was going to be working in this space full time. I, I, my background is in corporate and private equity. I spent 12 years as the vice president of worldwide sales and uh, marketing for JBL, the big speaker company, uh, and then three years in in private equity, buying and selling some amazing companies. Um, but really went down the NFT rabbit hole. Bought my first NFT on the 4th of July of 2020, and you know never never looked back. And it was really interesting because I bought my first crypto back in 2017, just because a buddy of mine said, oh, you need to have this in your portfolio. And yeah, I listen, I, I, I take advice from people, I heed advice and I, I bought it, but I never, despite the fact that I was in tech, I never really went down the rabbit hole of understanding blockchain and what it meant. When I bought that first NFT, which was a cool cat, by the way, uh, on the recommendation of another buddy who tweeted, "Hey, you guys should all go out and buy this." I was That's like, a, heck of a like, heck of a buy on the first one, my friend. Yep. That's uh, nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> pure pure luck on that one. I got to tell you, um, I paid two hundred and twelve dollars for that cool cat. Wow! But 
once I had it in my hand, Vanzo, it was like, holy shit. Like I understood the power of this technology, where it could go and, and what it could mean. Uh, and then very quickly fell down the rabbit hole, started buying uh, a lot of NFTs. I'm up to just over 2000 right now. Um, and, and there's a journey in that. And I'll, I'll share that a little bit. But one of the ways that I learn is by, by writing and sharing. So uh, as soon as we started buying NFTs, my family got really involved. I have two older boys. I have a 21-year-old as of yesterday and, uh, oh, and a 19-year-old. Uh, and my wife is an artist. So we, we got really deep into the space and wanting to understand it. So I started putting together a little daily update in our family WhatsApp group uh, about what was going on in the NFT space, what we should be paying attention to. And then uh, uh, another common buddy of ours, Gianni D'Alerta, who's, who's one of the co-founders of NFT Miami, invited me to a group chat. It was six guys uh, learning about NFTs. And one morning somebody said, hey, is this minting today or is this minting tomorrow? And I forwarded my family a uh, little update. And long story short, uh, it kind of took a life of its own. That little six-person group became what is now JPEG Morgan today. And it's kind of a who's who of people in the uh, NFT and Web3 space. And my little update was branded by another member of the group said, oh, that's not Alpha, that's Ralpha. And it stuck. It became the Daily Ralpha. And then this morning, uh, we had 80,000 eyes on it, which is wow, mind-blowing to me. That's impressive. I love that. I love, and I, you know, I mean, I also love, you know, that, that origin, right. From like the, I mean, let's face it. That's what the real content is. The content we are sharing in our family group chat is, is really the stuff that, you know, if we think about it from that, you know, component is the stuff that matters. And, and probably most people are doing some kind of like daily update or, or almost, you know, close to daily in that side. Um, and I, I'm going to tap into the, the daily stuff and, and that uh, as well, but you know, you mentioned it's almost a, a year, right. And when you and I were on stage, you know, we, a lot of what we shared, you know, I was technically moderating the panel and, and uh, leading that into like, which turned into a really great discussion on, on just like, you know, community and the roles and, and you know, the, I mean, that Miami NFT week was, I mean, it was an amazing event. We had a I mean, packed house, you know, wall to wall people. Um, but, you know, I think the interesting thing was like around that time, uh, although community, you know, continue to be a focus, you know, the wheels started to fall off. I think people walked into that event. Like, oh yeah, community. We know that. This is a bull run. We we love community. Uh, I don't think people really knew <laughs> what they what they loved. And I know we both kind of like were stressing some of these like key components of like really what community is, really what is you know audience building mean and, and like listenership and such. Um, but you mentioned like, I mean, uh, your portfolio up to about 2000 NFTs. So I'm curious just in that, you know, in the years since you and I were on stage together, uh, what how is your like kind of even like approach or thought on like the NFTs you're buying changed. And like, I guess we can tie that into like, also like what the hell went wrong when we, we were there. And then all of a sudden it's like a, a lot of the wheels fell off, even things that, you know, at the time we, you and I both probably would have been like, Hey, these are smart plays. You know, unfortunately, you know, now they're they're you know, we're kind of questioning a lot of the things that look like smart. So yeah, I'm curious your take on what you're looking at now. And then also what you kind of think uh, went wrong in the, in that year or so. I mean, for God's sakes, we were sitting at ETH nearing 4,000. We were talking about, I mean, we just talked about cool cats. Like yep. if you would have said to me that we were going to be looking at cool cats sitting sub 2.5 ETH right now, I would have said you are crazy, right? Uh, the market is definitely fickle. It changes. Uh, I, I like to equate what we're seeing now to the early internet days, right? I already aged myself. I told you I have a 21-year-old. I graduated high school in 94. Uh, that was, I was the last generation to graduate high school without email. 
right? Like oh. America Online started sending out floppy disks to our homes December of 94. Wow. Right? So, so I graduated high school in 99. I don't remember having an email, but you're, I, I had one my freshman year in college. So, yep. wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, that's such a good point. I didn't think about that from a tech side. So looking, looking at a lot of the parallels between the early internet days and the early Web3 days, there's a lot of commonalities uh, that we're seeing, right? And then we, we, we had the, the 2000 internet bubble explode. I think that's similar to what we're seeing in this bear market right now. So again, a lot of parallels and, and a lot of reinvention, right? There's still a lot of speculation going on. I would say that most of the NFT buying, uh, I would say at least... S- maybe north of 70% is still very much speculative buying. Uh, my own trajectory, like to answer your question, how has my investment kind of thesis changed around NFTs? Uh, it's it's varied tremendously, right? Like I started off real heavy on PFPs. I was speculating like everybody else. I settled on my own doodle. Uh, that's kind of my forever PFP. But I thought that there would be a lot of long-term value in PFP projects. I'm still confident that PFPs are going to be around. Uh, if you've been following what's going on in gaming, like everybody needs some kind of visual representation of themselves, either online and web three and the metaverse, whatever it is. So those are not going to go away. I just think that the the days of the 0.05 to 100 ETH uh, floor spreads are, are long gone, right? I do find myself supporting a lot of artists. I've, I've shifted a lot of my kind of investment philosophies around buying one of one art or, or very limited edition art and, and supporting the kind of things that I want to see in the future. Right. And is this space going to look like what it looks like today? I mean, it definitely doesn't today. It doesn't look like what it looked like a year ago, yeah. a year from now, it's not going to look like what it looks like today. Uh, earlier this morning, I was talking to somebody and they're like, you know, what else could, what is it similar to? Like they, they couldn't grasp that they weren't around during the early internet days. And I'm like, well, it's kind of like the early music streaming days, right? Um, We had Napster, we had LimeWire, people were downloading music. We didn't have music streaming, but that function, what was going on with Napster and LimeWire actually forced the function of streaming music. And back then, Fanzo, you remember, we had MP3 players, we had Wave players. Oh yeah. We had like all of these, AIFF players. Like we had all these different like formats it's kind of like the blockchains right now right like we have all these different blockchains we used to have all those players and now it's kind of consolidated there's no more roadblocks to stream music you just open your device and and you can organize stream share and enjoy music you don't have to like technically know how to download it onto your phone or how to make it work all of that's been solved and i think i think we're still ways from solving that in web3 but we're getting there yeah, I, I mean, I love that connection to like, you know, the idea of .mp3 is like .nft, right? Like, I think that makes a lot of sense. For a while, we cared a lot about, you know, are you sending me an mp3 file? And, you know, I like to say my first entrepreneurship role uh, job was burning CDs with, with Napster and LimeWire. Uh, Lime I mean, I, my first month in college, I bought a second computer, uh, you know, a second gateway desktop. And my dad was like, what are you doing? I was like, I need more space to, to download. And at the time... I mean, technically I was getting rugged by LimeWire viruses, right? Like, so like in a weird way, like, I mean, that's why I had the second computer because my, my, my school kept trying to block my connection. I was like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we, you're on a T and I had a T1. I mean, I, I, I got lucky. The dorm room I had was like the most powerful dorm room in our campus. Oh, you're right. Awesome. I mean, like for a while we cared about MP3, where they were played at, how they were sent to us. Um, we also like were kind of just throwing it out there. Like I remember when I started writing scripts that would just download 
you know, like every version of a Linkin Park album that existed with every live nonsense that was there. Not because I knew what the hell I was doing, but I was like, well, I can get it all for free. Um, and, and I think, you know, and now we get to the point, and I think it also applies, ties in nicely with that example because CDs still exist, right? Like music still exists. Like the MP3, the MP3 player did not end all of that, but it really did reinvent how we consume, reinvent how we share. And we even heard Spotify is going to attempt, you know, number two attempt uh, at their NFT. Uh, I think this time they a much more uh, thought out process on uh, gated playlist is what I was, uh, I was listening to today um, in one of their, their briefings. And, you know, it's such an interesting way to look at it because I, I think you're right. And I think it also connects into thinking about the fundamental shifts of what other things were disrupted because of that, right? Like we probably don't have Netflix and that type of streaming if it wasn't for the MP3, you know, kind of accessibility, right? We went from, you know, buying a CD on Tuesday mornings whenever they dropped, because that's when the new releases came out uh, and like holding on to one song, right? To have a $19 CD. Um, and then, I mean, we would burn them on the zip drives and like all those different things. You're right. And I think that does really interesting in this space. And and I, I think it is hard. It's hard for people because like the speculation, but even like the, the art side, right? Like now that I've had my own AI art kind of, I would say success, and it's been wild to sell out my collections. And now like, I mean, today I jumped into a, a, a metaverse gallery and it's the first time I've ever walked into the gallery. Wasn't mine, wasn't like my community, like my person and my piece was right there. And I, like, I was like, what in the hell? Like amazing. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, someone took a picture and, and, you know, they have it hanging in their house, one of my pieces. And and I will say, like, that, I mean, a year ago when you were on stage, if you, I would have bet you my entire NFT bag that I would not consider myself an artist in the next year. <laughs> and let alone that happened. But it also kind of plays into what you said, right? Like, I started buying one of one art. I started looking at art that I, I, I mean, when I look at that, you know, we bought an NFT every day for the year. If you look at what's held value and not even held value, what is multiplied in value, even through this entire market, it's pretty much all of the one-on-one pieces. Right. You know, we have, you know, from Matt Caesar to Brian Brinkman to Eric Pare to, you know, Sabbath to Gabe Weiss to, I mean, we have, I mean, we have a lot, I mean, Claire, Amber, I mean, like a lot of these, um, these ones here, I am curious on that side, right? Like I had a really great discussion with uh, Gabe Weiss and uh, Ali Sabbath who are going to come back as like a dual episode, just warning all the listeners. Um, we, we have to find like a three hour block for those two. Cause I talk a lot. Those two are like best friends for a long time. They talk way more than I do. And it's, it's going to be an adventure, but I'm curious, like the, we had a really good discussion on like, you know, does art need utility and you know, like this whole, like, you know, what PFP unlocked, but what I found, like the thing that I found as a collector now with art is like, I love going like deeper with the artist, but also being able to like buy a series of things that unlocks other series of things. Have you found that? Like, have you, are you found like certain artists that you're like, I want to own five or six pieces. I want to own like, not only because we love the art, but because they're doing a pretty good job of like gamifying and, and like adding on, or there's like kind of the flip side, which is, you know, my good friend, Eric, where he's like, I'm going to continue putting out my stuff and it's going to be the same price, no matter what you get. And there's no benefit for you hold 30 of them or you hold one. How, what's your take or, or how do you approaching that as a collector? I think I sit somewhere in the middle, right? So I mentioned that my wife is, is an artist. My wife is a surface pattern designer. So she's got 15,000 or so designs under license. She licenses it to fabric manufacturers, uh, you know, greeting card companies, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, 
it's funny because the first time we saw one of her designs out in the wild, it was similar to the experience that you just described where it was like mind blowing. It's like there's little girls wearing a dress and it's my wife's print. And we were like, oh my God, would wow. it be just totally creepy to just walk up to this family and say, hey, can we take a picture of your kid? We totally did it, but we could have, and it would have been creepy. Anyways, uh, I think I think it's somewhere in the middle, uh, Brian. The, like the way that I see it is, yes, there are certain artists that have been doing really cool things, right? Jack Butcher is a great example. Yep. The the whole journey right now with the whole checks ecosystem and all of the derivatives is sparked and the burn mechanisms. I mean, he's even pushed platforms like Manifold to to completely reinvent their own burn and merge mechanisms and push technology forward. That's one of the like utilities yep. that I appreciate artists pushing the technological limits and boundaries of the space. But then there's art that I just collect because I'm a collector. So I was an art collector pre-Web3. Okay. Uh, and so it wasn't that I came into the space and was like, oh, I, I, it's going to be great to start collecting art. Now, I was already collecting art before uh, I had you know, physical art pieces in my house. But what Web3 has done is actually amplified how much art I collect because I was formerly limited to whatever I could keep on my walls. Right. And, and we have a storage, you know, we have a storage location where we have paintings that, you know, we don't have up on, on the wall, but now I feel like I, I could be an even better collector and curator of the kind of art pieces that I like. And I, I'm not driven one way or the other by like, I'm not buying art just because of utility and I'm not buying art just for art's sake. I think I'm right in the middle of that. I, 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 I tend to lean towards either things that I like or th- people, especially people that are doing unique things and pushing boundaries that I, that I really like. And I'll, I'll, I'll bet on that every time, even if it goes to zero, like I'd like betting on innovation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, amen to that. I, I wish we had more people betting on innovation. Right. And like, and let's face it. I would argue that a lot of the PFP failure as a whole was the lack of innovation and the lack of rewarding innovation. Like I could tell you a couple of projects that I bet on early was because they were innovating like all hell and I had no idea that the speculation market does not care. And I was like, wait a second. Like, do you know what they're doing with the metadata on OpenSea and how they're, I was like, this is like, and like, and I'm like all in, <laughs> like I'm bag heavy. And all of a sudden I'm like, wait, you guys care about that? Like series of pictures that exactly is built off of what Board Ape did with mutants, which is exactly, you know, and like copy pasta, what? you know, kind of existed. And, and we did, we got into a, you know, lack of innovation. I mean, the marketplaces, you know, we, we know where we're at in marketplaces right now because of, let's face it, a lack of innovation, even in, in, in that side uh, of the space. And so I, I completely agree on the betting innovation. And like, this goes into that MP3 Napster example as well as, you know, there was musicians and, you know, one could argue even like what Metallica did, you know, and now if you look even what Taylor Swift's trying to do right now with catalogs and right, kind of buying back, like technically, they're forcing the technology and the consumer innovation as artists more so than, you know, the, the music houses and, and such. And, and it's probably why in this you know space, you know, the Jack is doing that. And, you know, I, you know, I love what Sabbath's doing on, on, on his side uh, with his email newsletter and such like that. And it's just, yeah, it's an interesting piece on the innovation. And I, I'm curious on that side, you know, tying in, tying into your, your daily, you know, email, which was daily uh, in the, in the uh, WhatsApp group, I'm curious from like the WhatsApp group conversation that you were having, you know, early on when you were doing that, how are, how is that now in a sense of like 
Because there are people that as soon as like FTX happened, right, which happened to be the very last week of our season one, right? Yep. My my last my last seven days uh, of uh, of the doing the thing every day for a year uh, was was FTX week. Like, geez, talking about a talk about timing of weird. It would be great for stories for year to come, but for, for sure. timing. Um, but you know, there were a lot of people that messaged me and like, you given up now yet, Fanzo? Like that thing finally died. You're like, but then there was also people that were like, man, I was so close. Like. I was about to buy in. I was about to, I believe. And then they kind of treaded back. How is, how are, how have you kind of like, how has that message either changed or kind of been received, you know, from that first, like, Hey, I'm cause I'm sure a lot of education, a lot of like, this is what this is. Like, we're going to test this out. I don't know if, I don't know if cool cats is cool cats or if cool cats could be, you know, like all these other projects in our bags, but how has that changed for you over that time and kind of like what you're messaging or how you're messaging things? So my messaging has, hasn't changed much. I, you know, I, I, I'll gladly forward you like my very first family kind of update. It's not that different than what everybody sees today. As a matter of fact, my updates still go out to my family first every day. The only thing that changes is that opening paragraph. Uh, only because the first time I sent them what everybody else was getting, they're like, we're your family. Like what, what, who are you talking to? <laughs> um, but, but my messaging itself hasn't changed. What I have noticed though, Fanzo is across all of the, the communities that I participate in, even in that, that JPEG Morgan chat, um, the conversation turned more into a support conversation than it did a degen conversation, right? It, it was like, it was very introspective. It's like, okay, what went wrong? What did we miss? Could we have done something differently? So it was really interesting where people people from the outside looking in were saying, oh, crypto's dead. All these, all these groups are disbanding. Nothing's happening. And my experience in the communities, at least that I'm a part of, was that the conversation had shifted to really wanting to learn what went wrong and, and what, what lessons we could take from it to avoid having it happen again in the future. Right. And from my perspective, the content that I put out every day didn't change. I, you know, because I still do the research on the projects, I still figure out you know, what's worth watching in terms of drops and, and stuff like that in the news. Um, the goal that I have with the Daily Ralpha is for anybody who reads it in the morning to be able to walk out, even if it's the first day that they read it, if they show up to a meeting later on that day or they're talking to somebody about Web3 or NFTs, that they can have an intelligent conversation and feel like they're plugged in just from that quick read, right? And that's been my kind of mantra from day one. And, and I haven't strayed from that, regardless of how bad or good the news is, right? Like I'm reporting what I'm seeing and what it means for the space. I like that, you know, cause I, I, I'm, you know, I have plenty of DGEN friends, right? And we have DGEN, like our DGEN world. Um, but interestingly enough, a lot of them that led me into like alpha only chats, which were very much like we're, we're trying to front run things or, or chase things. Um, the only thing I hear from them now are crickets, right? Like those groups, um, you know, I mean, and we could even go back to the 888 inner circle on some of those things that came out that were, I mean, I remember how mad I was. Yeah. Yeah. How mad I was. I I wasn't got in. And then I aped in at like, you know, maybe close to the all time high. And, and you know, like such an interesting like point. I didn't think of it like, until you said right there, like the support side, right? Because now a lot of the ones that I'm in still on, a, you know, CPG club and OG collective, and there's some really great, amazing, and it is very supportive, right? It's also very much like there's a lot less must be nice or what woe is me, or I can't believe I missed that. Or there's a lot more of like, Hey, when you got into that, like when you said cool cats, right? Like I think, I think a year ago, a lot of people have been like, damn, Ralph, you are, I mean, must be nice to be you. You have the cool friends. I don't have those. 
Now I feel like when someone hears cool cats, like, damn, what did you see there? And how have you seen, like, it, it is much more of like this, like supportive learning. And, and I think maybe we probably should stress that a little bit more in this space because, you know, I'm very blessed. Like, I mean, there, the amount of people that are in those like type of communities that, that like came at me for like the, you know, like, what are you going to do now? Or how is it? They, they didn't really exist. Like they, that was a lot of that, you know, outside, you know, people that hate change, let's face it. Like that's, right. that's how they look at that. Um, I am curious from the daily grind, you mentioned sacrifice. Um, I mean, we can relate to this more so than probably just about anyone. Um, I definitely underestimated the sacrifice of daily content. Like I, I always say, I was excited to launch the daily podcast. I just wish someone told me before 30 days in that it was every day. Like, <laughs> like, you're like it was like, I was like, wait a second. Like I got to do this. And like, you know, I, even my daughters, you know, I had them this weekend. I co-parent and on Sunday, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually minting an AI NFT every day now. So th- today will be day 77 of that you know, while we're recording it. And so my daughter was like, daddy, I, I kind of like you just doing art each day compared to doing the podcast. And I was like, Oh, like you'd like my art. She's like, no, when you're doing the art, you're not as loud. And I can watch my, you know, I can play my Roblox without you being, I was like, Oh, thank, cause mine are younger. I got thanks. 13, 11, nine. Right. So like, I was like, Oh, thanks. Like that's my daughter thinks. But I will say like the, the pieces that like, you know, like amplification promotion, even being able to be on other podcasts. Like I, I really wasn't able to do a lot of that because of that sacrifice. But then I also realized that like, when you are all in on one medium, you're doing, you know, writing through email, um, there also becomes like almost a, um, a, an addiction to like perfecting that craft. And it's hard to kind of continue like to grow. So how have you kind of uh, like, you know, are you, are you batch writing some of the things? I know you're doing things where it's daily updates. So like we are very much in that. Like, I mean, I, I thought I could batch podcast and then I for, didn't realize the, the NFT space changes so damn you know, regularly and, and things, but yeah, how are you approaching that? And, and, um, you know, I guess from a daily, cause I, I don't think a lot of people are, are thinking daily content, but I think a lot of people are thinking consistent content. Yep. Um, and I think it's important to also identify that kind of like the sacrifices that are required around all consistency levels. It's, it's hard, man. I mean, you, you know it. And, and the thing is like, like me, you also are involved in other things, right? right? You're out speaking, you're doing, you know, your marketing seminars, you're like, you're doing other things. This isn't, this isn't exclusively what you do, although it's, it's quickly becoming a big part of who you are, right? right. In my case, this isn't my full-time gig. This is like a side thing that's turned into this amazing thing where to be honest with you, I don't know where it's ultimately going to go, but I do know that it's important to be consistent, right? Everything that I've ever been successful at in life has required consistency. Like you, I wish somebody would have said, hey, putting together this daily content is not the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. It is maybe not in this space, which is yeah. what's what's interesting, yep. right? Because you mentioned the the ability to batch write things. I can't batch write anything. Yep. Right. So I have I have structures and systems in place to help facilitate some of the work that I do. Yeah, curate, yeah, curate some of it, right? But not not actually create, right? Because the creation is we have to do on a daily basis, which is Right. I mean, that's mind boggling. And it takes me, it takes me about four hours a day, right? So I, I usually put in about three hours a night and one hour in the morning uh, before it goes out because it changes so fast, right? Like I could, I could list things that are going to mint tomorrow. And then I wake up in the morning and check their Twitter accounts only to find out that they've pushed out the mint or it's not happening or they got, I hot. know that well, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so it's, it's, it really is, it, it requires 
almost a full-time attention just, just to make sure that what you're reporting and, and what you're putting out there in terms of content, where you're curating is, is important. It's meaningful and it's, and it's right. <laughs> right. Like, you yeah. know, but, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Right. I've learned so much. Uh, my other challenge, uh, which is, which is interesting and it's unique to, I think the format of how I syndicate the daily Ralpha is most newsletter creators have free reign in terms of how much content they put into the newsletters. Cause there's really no limitation. I'm actually limited to 4,000 characters because the daily Ralpha has about the same amount of subscribers across all of the platforms where it gets syndicated to. So right now it's syndicated to WhatsApp, Telegram, Discord, and email. Mm. The challenge with WhatsApp, Telegram, and Discord is you're limited to 4,000 right. characters. So not only is it being super concise about what, what you want to cover and making sure that you're covering everything that somebody needs to know, it's doing so in 4,000 characters. So <laughs> it requires an immense amount of discipline. That's a, I mean, that's a whole lot. Of, I mean, I mean, I, I set out with a goal of the podcast being 20 minutes long, 15 to 20 minutes long. Um, and everyone jokes, uh, of 365 episodes, a uh, one of them, uh, <laughs> uh, actually went into that round, right? It was, it was like 40, I think 43 minutes on average for the, that whole first season doing a daily, um, you know, and you did mention like, you know, like, and you said that four hours, right? Like four hours a day that hit, that hit me, right? Cause it was about four hours a day. What I put in each day. And, you know, that's not including like marketing and getting signups, right? Dealing with replies and, and comments back to all the things like the customer service, the, the triage, the, the, the community that builds, which we both believe in it. Right. But we also have to also realize that like, I mean, if I had to go back, you know, the amount of community building mistakes that I feel I made with the daily content were way more than I would have ever expected. I've been building online community. Like that's my bread and butter. That's but your there thing. was things that I was like, oh, well. Now that I'm doing this daily, I can't do this. Or people that are consuming daily, which I'm sure on your side as well, when you're consuming that much daily, they also kind of change their their other habits around that, right? Which is like, you know, because I had some people that were like, I used to be able to really drive people to other podcasts. Like I was, you know, I, I had a couple of podcasts where people would say, Brian, you might not have the the amount of listeners as some of the big ones, but you drive more people to them. Where like, I really wasn't driving people to many other podcasts. Cause if you listen to me for 43 minutes a day, every day, like, you know, where's your, where's your consumption piece? Uh, I am curious. Like, I love that you're syndicating it, right? I'm a big fan of, you know, kind of like that multi-site, like don't, you know, let your message get stuck in, in one message in that one arena. Uh, and you did also, you know, kind of, you know, clarify also like that idea of like, Hey, I'm not really sure where it's all going. Cause I, I know that feeling, you know, very, very well in this space. You know, I'm curious from a, um, you know, cause like, you know, in the Web3 world, and I feel like this becomes a more of a theme on the podcast recently than maybe I planned on it, but I don't care. It's my show. And we're going to be on this. But, you know, creator monetization to me is a massive gap problem in this space. Like, I feel we've probably lost more great creators in the last six months than we'll have enter in the next 18 months. And I think that's just unfortunate because... People and I'm gonna use you, you for an example from the outside, just so that you know for our audience that you know Ralph, you're doing the da the daily newsletter, and people are like, "Oh man, sign up for Ralph, start getting a follow Ralph, learn a bit about your background." Holy cow, he invests, got two thousand NFTs, he's a collector, and man, he's got a he's got a cool cat, uh, you know, or a doodle as you know as your as the PFP. That guy's loaded. That guy's good. I don't even need to share out his pod uh, his his newsletter because he must have made it. He must be sitting pretty because he's got you know the PFP that we all want. And I feel like that mindset of the current Web3 
is really made it near impossible for most creators to sustain in this space because that that same mindset tells Ralph, don't you dare get paid to promote a project. Don't you dare pump your own damn bag. Don't you dare like, and all of a sudden we're like, wait a second. We, we don't want to do any things. We assume incorrectly for 99.9% of the thing that, you know, most, if not all collectors right now, we're playing the long game. Therefore, even what they had of value was not things that were you know either paying bills or being sustainable. How do you look at it? Cause like, I know that, you know, um, you have sponsorships and ability for people to, you know, pay and have, you know, even their tool mentioned and things. And I love the transparency on that, the way that you've done that kudos to you. I, I think there's a lot of people that can learn from that component, but how do you look at that as like a whole space, like the creator monetization space, because everyone says we need more education. Everyone says we need more content, which I can, we both can agree. Yep. We know that, but for, I mean, YouTube, I mean, I have a good buddy and, and when I was telling him, I'm like, no, keep focusing on your YouTube. His YouTube's pulling him in 44,000 a month right now in ad revenue. And he's like, I'm like, dude, you, 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 I mean, good luck. If you you drop a token or NFT, you're going to have 60% FUD. You're going to have, you know, this bag pumping and then you're going to have people hating you for selling out to the man. So how are you, how are you looking like maybe less about the problem and more about like, what are the ways that we can move forward and kind of empower creators to do like, I mean, what you said, like, if someone was like, man, I want to follow Ralph's model, but I want it to be quickly my full-time all in only source. What would you kind of share as like ways that we can kind of move and, and change where the, how this whole creator monetization relationship exists. So I, you made a lot of really good points, right? I think people love information. I think people love and crave education. People just don't want to pay for it. Right. Despite the fact that people go out and they get in debt and they come out of college with, you know, 250 grand, 300 grand worth of debt to, to go learn something that, may not necessarily be very useful to them in life. Yeah. They're willing to pay for that, but they're not willing to pay for information that that could actually change their financial lives forever. Um, so it is a challenge for creators like us to figure out how to best monetize that. I think you have found a great angle in as a creator, right? You've always been a creator, but right. in being able to sell your art to support your efforts in growing this space and in, in, you know, spearheading all of the educational efforts that you do. Similar to me, uh, I recently released uh, an NFT collection more than anything out of curiosity, right? Because that was what I felt the missing piece for me. I had done everything right. else in this space except actually launch a collection. So I wanted to see what that was like and learn from it. Um, I think that companies, especially in the next couple of months, are, are actually going to be willing to support initiatives like NFT 365 or like the Daily Ralpha uh, in the same way that they have the traditional Web2 world uh, where maybe they were reticent early on. Like if you go back to the early internet days, not everybody's like, why am I going to like banner advertising? Why? <laughs> like nobody's, nobody's going to buy anything online, right? So I, I think we're eventually going to see that shift. Is it easy to put out daily content or even weekly content and not be com compensated for it? No. Right. But, but to answer your specific question, like if somebody's listening to us right now and says, I want to make this my full-time job uh, and I want to start with a newsletter, or I want to start with a podcast. That's only one leg of a multi-legged table uh, or chair, right. That's going to support your endeavors in this space. Uh, you may not necessarily get compensated for the podcast or the newsletter, but your platform becomes a funnel for other opportunities, whether that's speaking gigs, uh, consulting or advisory roles, uh, the ability to create art, 
you know, as your audience grows, your audience is really going to start to tell you what it is that they want and ultimately what it is that they're willing to pay for. Right. And, and a lot of times what we think they're willing to pay for is, is very different than what they're actually willing to pay for. Um, so listening to your audience is really important, right? In my case, I had never considered including like a job of the day in the daily Rafa or, or for that matter, a tool of the day, uh, two things I'm very passionate about. And, and I'll share a little bit of alpha to me, being able to front run what's happening in the web three space comes from my job listings. Mm. I knew that Amazon was coming into web three two and a half months before there was any formal announcement in any media of what was going on just by paying attention to the roles that they were hiring for. Nice. Right. And even though I was paying attention to that, I was never listing any jobs. It came as a result, my job listings and my, my, my job board as part of the daily raffle, which was by the way, you know, everybody talks about making their first dollar online. The first dollar I ever made dollar 62 to be exact came from the job board. Um, <laughs> And it, and that was from a reader saying, "Hey, Rafa, you're so tied into the space. Do you think you know? Have you come across any job opportunities? I want to work full time in Web three. Can you share one?" And I was like, "Man, that's a super cool idea. I'm looking at it anyways. I'll put it in there. Same thing with the tools, right? Um, I use all these tools, right? And I started featuring the tools. And eventually, when you help enough people, one of my favorite conversations came last week. Uh, I was talking to a, a, a platform." Uh, who I have featured in the Daily Ralpha. And the founder came to me and said, my single biggest customer came to us from your newsletter. Wow. And prior to that, I hadn't even heard about your newsletter. So he reached out and he's like, I like to double down on on what brings us people. And you brought us our biggest customer. And while I didn't get paid to promote them initially, or even look for an affiliate deal or any of that stuff in the long term, took a couple months, but it, it happened because I was willing to help. And now we're in conversations to, you know, expand our, our partnership agreement and, and do some pretty cool stuff. That's so f- I, I could, and kudos to them for a mapping back where they got the, their biggest customer, like as, as a basic business principle, it's not very well, not usually awesome. well done. And then also letting you at least know, right? Like, cause like how the hell do, I mean, most of us creators are lacking feedback, right? I wish that was like, I wish that could just be like broadcasted from the world. And like, I've heard Gary V say this. And I think that's such a, like, you know, from his standpoint, he's like, I still, he still, there's a reason he replies and likes a bunch of tweets and like makes people feel special is because that feedback is essential for all of his decisions. And people will often be like, oh, Brian, I, 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 after I did the review for yours, you've been off and running. You're about to hit 2 million downloads. And like, and I'm like, wait a second. Like I, at that point, I actually need more of your feedback. Like, I mean, like there's like that, like, and so I love that they, they tied that loop. I also love it because it, it does seem like that in this space a little bit from a, you know, we had, a, we had a marketplace um, reach out to us kind of cold and say, we want to sponsor a podcast. I didn't really understand. I was like, sweet. I'm a fan. Like I've mentioned it, but I didn't realize that they on their like sign up for creators applying, they had, where did you hear about us? And it was the podcast. And to your point exactly where, and, and of course I didn't make that connection until a couple other things kind of fell through, but um, you know, I think there is, that's an interesting piece of it. And I think you're right. The, the, you know, whatever that, you know, we could call it the, the dark social, the dark, the things that aren't like easily mapped, like, Hey, you got this 
but people don't realize that, you know, the, the friend that recommended the friend, the only reason they even recommended you is because they heard about your podcast and they heard about the podcast because you were a guest on a Twitter space three months ago that you put it, you know, like those type of things kind of connect. Um, yeah, sorry, sorry, Brian. And yeah. you have to ask, right? Like that's, yeah. a, that's a lesson you, you brought up Gary Vee. I'm a huge fan. I always have been. Yep. Um, but, but getting feedback is critical, right? Because the worst thing you can do as a creator is create in a bubble. Now, what's interesting about that is that could go either way. So as an artist, I almost want artists to create in a bubble. Um, I want them to be unapologetically themselves. I don't want an artist to create art because of what people want. I want an artist to express themselves through their art unapologetically. I'm either going to like it or I'm not, but I don't want you to create art based on my feedback. Right. Because I'm not an artist. (laughs) I'll air quote that, right? Yeah. Uh, but creators, I think it's it's hugely valuable for us to ask our audiences and our communities. And I've made it a point. So every week, I I will reach out to five different people who subscribe to to the newsletter. I used to do it in a poll within the newsletter and just get feedback, and 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 they work. I've gotten some great feedback from that. But I find that just reaching out personally to somebody saying, "Hey, thank you for subscribing. Really appreciate the support. Mm. I know you're reading." is there something I could do better? Is there something you don't like? Is there something that would motivate you to tell more people about it? Um, and it's, it's kind of the same basic rotation of questions, but I find that I get so much feedback and, and I just, it helps me get better at my craft every single day. I love that. And you're right. That ability to ask, but also ability to lean in and I'll, you know, I didn't mean to give Gary V another shout out, but you know, I jumped into the V friends announcement that happened the other day and, and I jumped in and I know he's been building the tech side of the, his meet video platform. And I, I posted in the, in the discord, I was like, wow, love these three things about where you've moved the video platform gone a long way from last time I logged in. And you know, most people are going to be like, thanks so much. Love that feedback. Well, I got a message from, from someone on his team, not from Gary directly and said, Hey, Gary loved that you sent that comment. He wants to know the three reason things that you're not happy with because he noticed you didn't jump in there and raise your hand. And I was like, well, he knows me. Like anywhere I have a chance, I'm going to raise my hand and come up and talk. And so although I complimented and I gave feedback, they doubled down and I, and he was right. There was two things that were like missing for me to be like, I was like, no, I was with, with my kids. Like I, I need to be on my phone. It, it didn't work right with you know, like, and so it's such an important, uh, you know, component there. And I, and I, I want to tell you that I, I love that you mentioned the artist piece too, because that's a lot harder than people realize on now that, I mean, people realize 41 years of my life. I didn't realize that. Right. Like, and then all of a sudden I started you know, leaning into this art thing and I've been very blessed because for me, the art isn't like the profit center, right? It's not like, I'm not, you know, walking down the, the starving art. I'm, I'm on the starving creator path, not the starving yeah. artist path. Like I'm going to keep my starving paths uh, separate. Um, but I I've had people come to me and say, well, Brian, these ones sold out. I'm surprised you don't have more like that up there. And I was like, well, those were created because of the impact and the story I wanted to make for that direct one. And I'm not making ones with that exact, you know, like I'm and, and I, a lot of it just has to do with like where like my own creative stuff comes with, but you're right. There is an element of like, take it or leave it. Like, Hey, I love it. And, and there is something beautiful about like, kind of like that disconnect. Right. So I think for artists that are listening to this, like, you know, I think that is a, a, a beautiful piece of this as well. Yeah, there's a local art, local Miami artist, uh, street artist, graffiti artist, uh, who I believe you've met or at least spoken to, Eddie Gangland. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. 
Eddie, Eddie is an amazing artist. Uh, shout out to Eddie if he's listening. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge collector of his work. But he's somebody who's unapologetic about what he does. He does it every single day and he puts it out there. And some sometimes they sell out in like three seconds and sometimes it takes three days to sell out. Um, but he doesn't apologize for it. It's like, this is the art that I'm creating and it's going to find a home for you know with somebody that it resonates with. Uh, and I think we need a lot more of that in this space. You know, I think, I think people pandering to artists, pandering to, to their communities, you know, you should do this and you should do that. Kind of, I think it loses a little bit of the artistic vision. So I, I applaud you for, for just knowing the story that you want to tell with your art at that given moment. And that may be very different than, than what it's going to be three months from now or what it was six months ago. And, you know, and that applies perfectly into your innovation, the innovation conversation we had earlier, because like for me with checks and what, you know, Jack Butcher, that, that whole piece, like I was obsessed with learning every aspect, but also realizing quickly that, hey, that's not what I need to implement or want to implement or doesn't achieve my vision of success now. But I want to understand like why people are liking it. What, what elements of gamification? How is he, how is he communicating it? Right? Like where, where are people getting like the dopamine hit? Where are people getting the, you know, the, the either you know, the speculation on it or like the, you know, what they're believing are, you know, return on their, um, on their pieces as well. Um, you mentioned something in there, you know, launching your own, uh, collection. I, I you know, when, first I'll say congrats because the launching of it, the part of it is, is, uh, it's overtaking, right. It's undertaking, you know, we, we've launched, uh, our first one there back in December of 21. And, and, uh, I mean, I had, I thought I knew what I was doing definitely did not have, uh, I launched, you know, I launched on a side chain at L2. So I've spent the last six months moving everybody onto the Ethereum now and, you know, kind of reversing a lot of the early decisions. Um, what was like takeaway thoughts on your, you know, because you were all in on this space, but you hadn't launched your own individual collection. You had a, a wealth of, of, of kind of information, uh, you know, advice, I'm sure, you know, like, but then there's also like a different thing, like when you put it out there and there's like, so how did that, how did that go in your mind? And like, what can, what can we take away from what you were able to think about, like launching your own you know, collection as well? So the name of my collection is infinite curiosity, alpha, infinite curiosity, right? Cause I think, I think that's the ultimate alpha, right? Mm. If, if you're infinitely curious, it doesn't matter what space you're in, whether we're talking about web three or we're talking about web 19, right? Yep. It's, it's like, as long as you're infinitely curious about what's going on around you, you're, you're going to be ahead of 99% of the rest of the population. Um, so I wanted, I wanted a collection that I could launch uh, and I could experiment with. And that was the only promise I made to everybody who wanted in on this adventure. I don't know where it's going to go. Uh, it, it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't like one of these free mint, no roadmap things, screw everybody kind of uh, alpha. It was more along the lines of like, if you genuinely want to see how we can push the boundaries of this tech and where we can go, come along the journey with me. Uh, no pressure. Uh, I didn't make it a free mint on purpose because I wanted people to to want to be along in right. the journey. And I think we sold three 300 of them, just over 300 of them. Nice. And I've been having an absolute blast, right? I, I, I saw what deploying a contract was actually like. And it's interesting because I've, I've served as an advisor to a, you know, a dozen projects and right. I've, I've gone through the process with them, but I've right. never actually done it. Right. Like the pressure of actually deploying it, of launching it, of marketing it, of talking to people about it, of the customer service, answering questions. And then post mint the, 
utility when, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because yeah. there are some people that are like, well, what do I do with this? The most impatient human beings in the world, face of the world are happen to be in web three at the moment. <laughs> a million, a million percent. But it's been honestly one of the most rewarding things of my life. Uh, I've had people send me pictures of, you know, my NFT in their uh, frames and, you know, in their, their NFT nice. frames at home and on display. And it's just mind blowing, right? It's kind of like your experience when you walked into that metaverse yeah. uh, kind of gallery and saw your pieces. It's, it's validation that a lot of the work that you put out there is appreciated by people uh, on different levels. And, and that's been phenomenal for me. I mean, if you think about that, just for the NFT use case alone, right? How much content have we put out in the world? I mean, I've been creating for nine plus years, but I didn't really have any visual way for someone to just be like, Hey, like, I appreciate you. Like, yes, they'd show up to my live streams. Yes. They subscribe to the podcast, but like being able to like, it just, it just adds something that you know we've never really had digitally. Right. Which is like, a you know, when someone asks about like why NFTs or why, I mean, why is there an emblem on the front of your car? Right. It's right. not because it makes it go faster, not because it's optimizes it. Right. Like we like to, we like to market advertising and peacock with the things that we buy, the things that we are a part of. And digitally, we've just sucked at that. Like there's just been no way to prove ownership. I mean, I still think it's hilarious. Right. 80% plus of those that say they went to Harvard on LinkedIn never went to Harvard. Right. Like, I mean, like, let's face it, like that was the world we were dealing with versus like, hey, I own Ralph's thing. I, I'm going to put on display ownership, validation, like, you know, a lot of those things connect. Yeah, um, verification. You, you talked about gamification, right? And I, I think yeah. that's kind of the third leg of, of my interest in, in launching the NFT it was really around community engagement and how do you keep people engaged through your path, right? And yes. um, one of the things that I loved about deploying on Manifold is that it allowed me to do some really interesting things. And I deployed right before they made the announcement about the ERC-721 token. So oh, yeah. when I was actually creating the NFT, at the time, the only burn mechanism was tied to ERC-1155 tokens. Yep. And I knew that I didn't want to launch an 1155. So I reached out to the team at Manifold and they were like, look, this is just around the corner. Uh if you have a little bit of patience and I'm like, yeah, I'm infinitely curious. Awesome. I'm going in. Um, but it allows you to do some really interesting things now, right? Where you could reward, let's say the first 50 mentors, or you could do a combination of your first mentor and your last mentor, or you, I mean, yeah. there's infinite possibilities now. And last year when we were at NFT Miami together, there was a speaker, his name was Yukai Chow, uh, who's the world's foremost authority on gamification. Oh. And Yukai has, you know, he's done work for Lego and Nike and all of these big Nintendo, all these big game companies. And, and he, he works with these companies to develop the, like the most engaging gamified experiences. Uh, as a matter of fact, I keep ah. this on my desk. Uh, I like because that. It is a great book. Definitely recommend picking it up for anybody who's listening and isn't watching. It's called Actionable Gamification by Yukai Chow. Um, and people love games. And I think that if we can figure out how to also make it a gamified experience, they're going to stick around a lot longer. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I still check in 
on Swarm for Foursquare yep. all these years later. Like I, I, I can't, I can't express that. Like I mean, like, and I have a track. I, I have the coolest track record, like thing. And I, you know, like you know, I even even today this morning dropped my daughters off at school, and I hit ways to let people know there was a cop there, and I got my points for for letting people know. And I'm like, I don't know where those points go, but I do it because it's like some kind of you know the gamification there. Uh, and I love that you brought that up. I will definitely tie that back. And actually, those listening. Uh, upcoming episode uh, with Bunch, the founder, co-founder of Forum 3, who happens to be onboarding this small company you might have heard of called Starbucks into this space, who I love. I'm obsessed with their gamification. They've done a great job. Actually, today I will get stamp number four uh, on my Starbucks Odyssey, which is uh, cool. So uh, definitely everybody stay tuned for that. Beautiful. You know, I- Want to finish, you know, Ralph? Love the conversation. Excited to hang out with you um, in Miami. I, I guess that's where we'll, I, I, I'll tie this off on kind of the last question I have for you. You know, maybe I, I don't like. Let's not predict the future. Let's not worry about that side. In Miami, those that are attending Miami uh, NFT Week or even any of the conferences, this is kind of conference season. What is like a takeaway that you hope people are able to garner, no matter what the conference is, no matter where they could go for, that they can then take that from. Uh, you know, attending some of these uh, in-person events. What's that like one takeaway you hope people get? You have to talk to people, talk to people you don't know, sit at tables with people who you've never met. Uh, Don't be afraid to ask people's backstories. You're going to learn so much from people at conferences. Yes. The material that's covered on stage, uh, you know, it really depends on the conference. Some conferences are better than others. Um, You could pick up that stuff by listening to podcasts like yours or reading newsletters like mine. Awesome. But the stories that you're going to pick up and the conversations that you're going to have at these conferences and the friends you're going to make are like nothing I've ever seen. And you mentioned Bunch. I was, I was on uh, their show the other morning on the DJ Network and we were yeah. talking about the experience of Web 2 conferences versus Web 3 conferences and how different it is. And eventually Web 3 conferences will go by the way of Web 2 conferences. But today it's, it's, it's magical. I mean, the the kind of connections and networking you can do at these conferences, and it's not like networking in the traditional sense of like, hey, you buy my stuff, I'll buy your stuff. It, it really is bringing these people together with diverse backgrounds and and making magic. Like I've seen these connections happen. So if I could give one bit of advice is talk to as many people as you can, tell them your story, learn from their story, and uh, you're going to make connections that are going to last a lifetime. And who doesn't want to come to Miami uh, in about a month? Touch me. And I mean, Miami's art scene that like the, the area, everything about it. When I left Miami NFT week, that just, I had like an attachment and vibe that I didn't expect to have at that event. And funny enough, going this time and now have creating art now for the last 10 months, I'm even more excited just to kind of dive into that side. Cause I I don't even know if I I fully appreciate it. So Ralph, we'll make sure, uh, you know, we'll put links to the newsletter and a lot of the things that were dropped here uh, in the show notes. Uh, for all those listening, you know, I'm a huge fan of, you know, connecting great people with great people uh, to do great shit. And uh, Ralph, you're doing great shit. I hopefully, uh, you know, many of uh, those that are listening connected with you and, and, and can take this further. And, you know, newsletter, I'm excited to hang out uh, with you in Miami. Uh, any last words for anyone? Anyone with that, uh, anything that we might have missed? No, man. I appreciate the invite. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to hanging with you in Miami. It's going to be an amazing time. uh, And I'm looking forward to helping shape the future of this space. And I think for anybody listening, I guess my last words are like, we have this unique opportunity to shape the future that we want of this space. All we have to do is be active and be consistent. So let's go out there and do it. Oh, love it. Press the damn button, my friends. And you mentioned timing. I just have to say, 
you know, timing is so important, right? The, and timing comes from timing of when you launch your own content, timing of when you pivot, timing of when you decide to just, you know, hey, let's not buy the next three DGen plays and buy an airplane ticket to Miami or to New York, wherever it may be. But, you know, don't let someone else control your time, my friends. Like, let's like take this opportunity to realize that the timing, um, you can make it right for yourself in many ways, but you can also, you know, be that infinite curious person. And I, and I love that. And I actually have a, a piece of art that I've been working on for a while, which is titled Limitations Inspire Creativity. Uh, and it's perfectly aligned because to me, that's where those that are curious around limitations in life are the ones that are most creative. And so, Ralph, so much fun. Had a blast. Uh, thanks for jumping on. For all those listening, as always, until next time, make it a great day. Cheers. Love you, brother. Thank you for listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. Join our email list to keep up with all things NFT 365. We appreciate you spending a little of your time with us. And as always, this show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research.